My name is Jack Oatway. And I'm Jay Oatway, and you are listening to Like Dragon, Like Sun, the only father-son podcast talking exclusively about the world's greatest role-playing game. At least so far. Who knows? Maybe 50 years from now, this becomes like a genre of podcast. Like yeah. specific, the genre of father-son d I'm, I'm not locked into like only talking d and I, I talk about other role-playing games. I'm okay with that. Honestly, I kind of want to as well. Some, uh, someday... I'm, even now, I'm starting to reach out to other RPGs, just to broaden my horizons. You're just curious. You're just. I'm like, just curious. Does yeah. D and D know you've got an open relationship with it? <laughs> uh, well, if it has to come out on the podcast like this, um, I'm I'm kind of wed to D and D. I guess uh, I play a little bit of Star Wars as well. Um, there's a little bit of part of me that wants to play Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So you have some friends. I've got this idea for your. Uh, I don't know if that's a game that people play anymore. I want to try Blades in the Dark. There's so many new ones. I, I can't Or Simba Room. I want to play one of those. I, I only know games that were popular in the 1980s. Yeah, I'm trying to do lots of research to keep up on like what's cool and what's new. But yeah. Uh, that's yeah. not what we're talking about today. But there's so many but, rules to know in all yeah. of these games. And there's only so much time in our heads. So I, I don't blame people for wanting to stay... Within something like D and D, because of D and D Beyond, especially, yeah, you know, and it's it so just, easy, yeah, makes life so much easier, and the, all the resources, the ecosystem of all these people creating so much great stuff for this. The the content is huge if you stay inside D and D. Look, the second that like Pathfinder gets its own character builder website, and yeah, good luck I with might, that. I, I might have they're to the, check it out. They're gonna be the Pepsi Cola of the Cola Wars forever and ever. Yeah, I feel like they are. Solid number two. It's actually a good, good analogy. Mm. <laughs> they are the Pepsi of role-playing games. So, still good, uh, still loved by everyone, yeah. but, you know, just not quite D&D. So, in the world of D&D, this episode, we're, uh, we're saddling up our ponies. That's right. We're, we're off we're to the races. Hopping on the backs of our steeds, our mighty steeds. And riding off into the sunsets. That's right. We're talking about sunsets. mounts. I think we've touched on it briefly in the past, but when we talked about the Cavalier, I think we specifically sort of told you how to make a non-mount build. But now I want to play mounts. Yeah, we're we're going we're going all four-legged uh, companions yeah. that you can <laughs> quadrupedal. <ride. laughs> quadrupedal. Uh, I guess. I mean, although they don't necessarily have to be, they. The technicalities for what you can ride is simply something that's one size bigger than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, so if you're a halfling, could you piggyback your friends? Well, yeah. In fact, you can. Um, you can and if ride. If you take the mounted combatant feet, you could ride. You could ride on uh, the back of the centaur. Or um, could I? Again, I'm a little goblin. Could I piggyback on my half orc's shoulders? Yes. And then direct all attacks against them towards me. Well, you, we'll get you'll, into the you'll feast notice, later. But. You'll notice, yeah, one of the basic rules of um, of mounted combat is that um, sorry, I'm just looking at my at the actual rules here. Uh, is when you get on onto the back of the creature that you're on, it can then uh, rules as written. Um, do basically just three things it can but it, it can act independently if it's intelligent if it's no? intelligent right exactly so our intelligent uh centaur or half orc or whatever yeah can act independently isn't that great yeah it's great fantastic yeah but uh yeah i want to start okay i want to start playing piggybacking characters a little bit more often my little halfling <laughs> scrambles on the shoulders of the goliath it doesn't really as written do much for you frankly the the real advantage of having a mount is that you can move up to half your movement speed and then you use the other half to get onto your steed right so it's half movement Mm. to get on and then then your steed can use their full movement and their action to dash so you can go a long long ways 
on still your, get your the, action. Yeah, right. and you still get your action. Do they? So how does this work? Because I know with some features, you have to use a bonus action to command a, a, an ally or a summoned thing, um, and then they act after you. But how does that work with mounted combatant All right, so stuff or rules is written. Uh, you don't need to use a bonus action to drive, steer them around, make them go where you want them to go. Mm. That that happens for free. You basically get their movement, or their disengage, or their. Well, you get their movement plus either a dash, a disengage, or a dodge for free from them. Nice. Without using your action or bonus action. Um, well, eh, it's not fantastic because we're going to look at this a little bit later. But if your steed has some sort of ability. You can't really use it. Um, when you climb onto the steed, its initiative moves to your initiative. Um, so you go both act at the same time, which is nice. Um, that works out. So if I scramble on my party member orc shoulders, do we act at the same time suddenly? Uh, I guess, yeah, they move on yours. So if you have a faster initiative uh, and your wow. orc was Take at the, the bottom. feet. <laughs> and then, yeah, you climb on the back. You have half your movement to shoulders. climb onto the back of their shoulders. Or and if then, you're mounted combatant, it's only five feet. Uh, yeah, so there's some feats that are worth mentioning here. There's one feat. All right, so mounted combatant is the the one feat. And, and truly, I suppose, if we are going to be playing... Uh, a, a game. And so the reason that we're actually leading this up to this, I'm actually planning to run a little mounted one-shot. Mm. Uh, Not an adventure or dungeon, dungeoning type thing that you could ma like imagine or really like big a, campaign setting. Is, it's like is, a race. This is a race. This is sort of a, a... It's a bit of a gimmicky thing. Yeah, I suppose it is a bit of a gimmicky thing. If you're going to have every character, every PC on a... On, a mount of some sort. I was going to say on horseback, but we'll get to that. There might be other mount things back? you can ride. Doesn't that mean like charlatan or someone? A mount um, The, uh, right. Uh, a mounted com combatant as a feat says that you are a dangerous foe to face while mounted. While you are mounted and aren't incapacitated, you gain the following benefits. You have advantage on melee attack rolls against any unmounted creature. Come on, that's awesome. And you can force an attack, t attack targeted Good at you, no, at your mount to target you instead. So that's right. <laughs> Piggyback. <laughs> um, a little halfling. I'm not sure if I was the halfling and they were shooting at the half orc, I'd be like wanting it to come to me. I sure, mean, why not? Maybe. You've got good AC, you've got whatever, good hit oh, points. Oh, I suppose, right? Eh, dodge. What if you rage? Um, <laughs> little shoulders, little baby rage. Whip ten foot away. Uh, if your mount is I'm subjected it, yeah. to an effect that allows it to make a dexterity saving throw to take only half damage, it instead takes no damage God, if it succeeds dang. on the saving throw. So, so there's a good reason for you to be evasion. riding on their back. Uh, yeah, yeah. If, you, if you've got mounted, mounted That's so dumb. <laughs> good times. Um, yeah, so. So that's if you're gonna be if you're gonna be getting on something, definitely think about. Is there any rule against piggybacking on your friends? Well, it's not. You know, this is this is not standard rules as written. Like I wouldn't think that you you'd be able to call your friend a mount or a steed. Why not? But, but exactly why not? I suppose in the, if in you want to be a real rule lawyer about it, you could go for it. In the description, it just says a, a creature who's at least one size larger than you, right? Yeah, but typically what we're talking about in that though is like and I've there's this little table here um you could get a camel that's 50 gp for a camel uh, it moves a speed of 50 that's pretty cool yeah and and they spit they do not spit you're thinking of different uh, creature uh no axe beak i know icewind dale has axe beaks can you ride them mm -hmm. oh, you can buy them that's exciting they're the mounts of the setting that's very cool i love axe beaks mm. they're one of my favorite Creatures. Big land birds. And this is the great news for DMs. Think like evil ostriches. So like, no matter what your setting is, you can come up with a cool mount of some sort to put yeah. into that setting. Like you think of, is it Final Fantasy where they have those like Chikoriko things? Like, like that's like the mount of that setting. You could make like a weird, like if you like think Avatar, they've got all these weird, you know, animal hybrids. You could make crazy looking mounts that fit your setting. The Some of the standard ones include a donkey. Mm -hmm. Classic donkeys only eight gold, and you know, like as you're thinking, there's like that. There's worse ways to to blow your eight gold. 
That's actually kind of expensive. That feels like a start of the beginning, like start of the story. You know, you spend all your you only have all eight your gold to go. your single mother's money it's on speed a, is, a donkey. It's like, speed, what are you doing? You're supposed to get a speed food. is forty. If I was a dwarf, I'd totally get a donkey. Like forty's better than twenty five. That's true. Uh, way better. Um, <laughs> Piggyback on your monk. Now, if you're if you're really rolling in it, elephants are yeah. two hundred GP. Oh, that's expensive. Come on, though, it's got a carrying capacity of one thousand three hundred twenty. Could Think I cast you can put animal friendship to get one in the wild to be my mount? Yeah. So look, the rules the rules for how do you get a mount are intentionally vague. Um, some classes have magical capabilities of acquiring steeds, some of which aren't even real animals. They just, you know, but you can also use spells like, um, like find, what am I looking for? Locate, locate, uh, animals and plants. Yes. That's the one track down an elephant in your, uh, local forest. Or just with your ranger powers. If mm-hmm. you've got beasts as your favored enemy. Maybe you could find them, track them down more easily, find their footprints or whatever. Absolutely. And then it's really animal handling. Yeah. And you don't have to make it like a single, like, okay, well, make one animal handling check. <coughs> you could me. have it like in stages where, you know, the the PC, you know, first befriends it somehow and then slowly begins to train it and, you know, eventually can ride it you know it, or you can make it like uh all right let's just get on with this let's see what kind of relationship you guys have roll the animal handling check and maybe a little bit later you can roll it again to try and improve that relationship but it could start off pretty bad and just whatever um or it could be great <clears throat> typically if you're going to try and train a wild animal i would suggest going into the into that sort of contested role with a uh, with a high animal handling score, the highest you can, yeah. and maybe some blessing and extra dice, whatever you can or get. Or speak with animals or animal yeah. friendship. Yeah, or definitely use spells or whatever you can to sort of fear bold. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, but that's where the role playing of D and D comes in, right? Those sort of bits of how you get your your pet, uh, how do you train a dragon, you know, whatever. There's actually rules for that. There's a creator called Runesmith who made a book all about companions and and getting them and acquiring them. To, more to my point Check earlier, the great thing about D and D is there are so many resources uh, towards how do we build this up. Um, but you know, your standard, most standardish sort of thing you're going to see are horses, right? Yeah. Draft horses are one type. They're about fifty GP. Uh, they've got a forty feet of movement. Are draft horses and riding horses. Right? Yeah, so the draft horse is like the idea of pulling wagons and things like that. Oh, you could ride one in theory. Um, and the riding horse, more expensive, seventy-five GP, sixty feet of movement. It's pretty good. Giddy up, yeehaw! Um, can't carry quite as much. Now, if you're a halfling or small, you might want to consider either the mastiff op- option. Not a bad idea. Which is quite cool. Uh, or perhaps a pony. Uh, both worth about twenty-five to thirty GP. 40 feet of movement, better than your stumpy little legs. And then if you're, of course, if you're a mighty cavalier, perhaps paladin, uh, without yet without fine steed or whatever, you might go for the war horse. Is that a war horse actually a thing? Yep, 400 GP. Joey. <laughs> 400 GP, that's two elephants worth of, of war horse there. So it's got the same carrying capacity as the draft horse and the same movement speed as the riding horse. It's pretty good. And isn't spooked in battle. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of fun. Hey, yeah, it's pretty fun. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of different ideas of what we can kind of do with this. But what kind of characters? All right, now we sort of like basic steeds, those sorts of things. What would you do for you know? What kind of classes would you look at? For well, the obvious one, you know, everyone mind jumps to is the cavalier, right? Mm. But I don't even know if that could be the most fun fighter option to play in. Uh, in Tasha's Collection of Everything, they, there's a guide for building a an outrider or someone who, you know, has a mount. Yeah, there's both uh, outrider and lancer, I believe. I think, uh, mm, I'm not sure what lancer is. That's a good point, though. the lancer, like somebody who carries a lance? Uh, lancer, uh, when the cavalry is called in, so I guess it means you. You ride out to greet your enemy with the point of your weapon as you charge, the ground trembles, and only the heaviest blows can deter you. Uh, so it does, you know, suggest 
like all these things like for there's all sorts of things like archer gladiator pugilist skirmisher if you want to make any of those sorts of things they give you uh the recommended fighting style battle master maneuvers and feats you should take yeah i mean what are the so for for mounted combat what are the ones they sort of suggest besides taking mounted combatant mm, for lancer which i imagine is a little bit more warry you know a little bit more fighty type of a, a rider um, a little bit more knightly if you will cavalier style uh, they recommend you take dueling because okay. you'll have a lance in one hand, right? Right. Uh, they recommend for maneuvers, you could take a lunging attack. So that would give you plus two on your attack rolls with that lance then? No, that's dueling. not how dueling works. What it's dueling? plus two to damage rolls. Plus two to damage rolls, right. Okay. Uh, only archery gives you the attack roll bonus. Right. Uh, menacing attack makes them frightened. Lunging attack would be like you lurch forwards on your, your mount, uh, striking forth with your lance. Precision attack... Uh, or pushing attack. They recommend all of those. For feats, they recommend taking potentially heavy armor master, oh. especially if you're deflecting attacks from your mount to you. Sure. Uh, mounted combatant and savage attacker. Okay. So, fun. Pretty fun. fun. You yeah. charge yeah. in and pretty do some Not bad heavy damage on, with yeah. some of those. Good movement, lots of versatile attacking options, and some very powerful feats to get make you pretty defensive as well. Uh, if you want to be an outrider which is you find uh, freedom in the saddle and companion in your mount. A headlong charge into combat is a blunt instrument uh, for oafs. Uh, you prefer mobility and range, opting to find advantageous positions that allow you to deal with foes uh, at full gallop while evading most dangerous threats. So instead of being in the fray with your mount, you're typically a little bit further back, uh, a little bit faster being able to get uh, into good good positions with your mount but also unleash devastating uh, ranged attacks so think kind of like mongol style horses and archery you know uh in fact fighting style re recommends archery which gives you a plus two to attack rolls uh for maneuvers they recommend taking ambush a new one which gives you better initiative and uh stealth checks so if your clopping is a little too loud or if you want to uh go first uh, into battle then take ambush uh, distracting strike, goading attack, which I think is a good one, especially if you're super far away, because uh, they have disadvantage on all like attack rolls against everything except you. Uh, precision attack and quick toss, uh, which is you know precision attack. And if you want to go thrown weapon, quick toss is the best option there. So you ride um, in and you throw your axe, and then you got to go right over and pick it up again. I don't know about that. Yeah. I think or the crossbow you multi-class with artificer and or you yeah, yeah, and have ask it fly your back artificer to your hand. for returning one. Yeah. That's fun. Uh, or get a magic item like the the bracer of flying daggers where every turn you can pull out two and throw them which is nice uh for feats it recommends potentially taking the alert one uh fun outside of combat but also really jacks your initiative up so you're really going to go first crossbow expert if you want to do a little bit of crossbow gives you some sort of semi melee things if people get a little bit too close but also gives you uh some better uh, crossbow stuff uh, mounted combatant uh classic i think we start with this one especially for variant human first step is to get mounted combatant uh observant also great if you want to be a little bit more of a scout type um, character uh our familiar is being ridiculous where he asked and, and begged to get in and is now asking begging to get out yeah so while jack's been reading this uh yeah i've been trying to to look after the cat and he's uh He's not something I can ride. He needs a tiny little saddle. My animal, my animal handling checks with this creature continue to fail. That's right. Uh, and finally, sharpshooter. Perfect if you want to get that crazy good damage with range and just, you know, get lots of so, good hits in. Yeah. Um, if you do want to be a, a, a ranged, you know, thrower, I'd recommend also potentially taking the thrown weapon fighting fighting so, style. So how does this like differ from paladins, right? So paladins get paladins are very much so not ranged characters. No, I mean uh, in terms of like, so we always think of our paladins on eventually, I guess, being able to take fine steed and ride on a. Something. Well, that's if they take fine steed. Not many paladins do take fine steed. I've never built one that does, but but if, if you, you if you had a party that was all riding around clippity clop, um, and you, at some point your paladin levels up to. Is it like fifth level? Sixth level? Like fifth level somewhere. They'd uh, be like, yeah, fifth level. Fifth they'd level. be like, hey, look, I'm going to get my magic steed. Fancy pony. 
Which is actually not really a pony. It's like a, some celestial being or something, well, right? Or fae or... Well, here's something. what the spell says. He summoned a spirit that assumes the form of an unusually intelligent, so potentially, you know, could be an intelligent creature, strong and loyal steed, creating a long-lasting bond with it. Appearing in an unoccupied space within range, the steed takes on a form of that you choose. Uh, a warhorse, a pony, a camel, an elk, or a mastiff. Oh, elk sounds fun. Yeah, you could get an elk. Uh, your GM might allow other animals to be summoned to steeds. So up to your GM if you're like, please, can I get a giant toad? Please, please. He might be able to say yes. The steed has the statistics of the chosen form, though it is a celestial fae or fiend, your choice. So Oath of the Conquer, you know, Oath of Conquest, I think it's called. You could have a fiendish mount, which reminds me very much of my wizard <laughs> that we talked about in a previous episode. Uh, additionally, if your steed has an intelligence of five or less, its intelligence becomes six, and it gains the ability to understand one language of your choice that it's uh, that you speak. Fun. Uh, your steed serves you as a mount, both in and out of combat, and you have an instinctive bond with it that allows you to fight as a seamless unit. While mounted on your steed, you can make any spell that you cast that targets only you also target your steed. Fun. Uh, so, cast, I don't know, what's a buff or defensive spell? Uh, sanctuary? Yeah, boom. Sanctuary is on you and your steed. Actually, good for your steed as well. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, not well, you can already direct it away from it, but say you couldn't for some reason. Um... Yeah, well, if, you're, if you've got mounted combatant, a lot of people may not have that feat. Um, so the uh, paladin, did they get with their bonus action to control the steed, or is it just like regular mounted combat where you just... I think it's just like regular mounted combat. So there's no extra making your horse do anything. I do not think so. Uh, when the steed drops to zero hit points, it disappears, leaving behind no physical form. You can also dismiss it as an action, so no awkward rope moments going down yeah we, we talked about like the the tricky pit of a dungeon if you're like crawling around it what do you do with your 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 mounts which is why doing a one shot where it's out in the desert and they're running through canyons and stuff makes sense more so than say oh hey we're on a ship hmm. uh that would be weird um did you know you can buy armor for your steed barding barding is what it's called and it has a cost equal to that of the humanoid one times four right and it weighs twice as much and so you just gotta figure it out can i get full plate for my war horse what or for my do? elephant i think the elephant might be able to handle it uh what's it do it improves armor class why can't i just direct it to me instead though well because sometimes you don't want to have to like take it all in your own hit points let the elephant take some <sighs> <laughs> Uh, you can also, you know, you can also get a wagon, 35 GP. That also seems like, you know, something you should have parked outside the dungeon, maybe hidden in the bushes. Here, here, here. No, here's my so solution. So when you come out with the gold, you don't have to carry it. My solution, if you've got a rope descending into the dungeon or, or something that makes it hard to get like a big chasm that the, the horse couldn't cross, pick up either the magic initiate feet, ritual caster feet, or have a wizard in your party who knows the spell tensor's floating disc yeah so you can create the disc your horse can step onto step the onto it and they can horse just elevator little horse elevator behind yeah. you <laughs> uh, yeah i mean assuming your horse isn't too heavy um yeah uh you can cause it also with the fine steed spell you can cause it to disappear at any time um uh, and while your steed is in with one mile of you, you can communicate with it telepathically. I, I love that idea of like, of being able to, to, uh, it's a very like cowboy paladin, so to speak, but that there's an old like Western trope where the hero of the story can kind of like call his horse over so he can jump out the saloon window sort of yeah. thing and land on the back of it and ride off. I, I, um, I want to role play it like it's like a little whistle but it's like a full telepathic I'm at the saloon come by quick you know get it we're jumping out the window. And the horse says back just wait a minute I'm pooping. <laughs> That's what the DM does and it just ruins your cool moment. <laughs> I've just got a little bit more grass I need to eat and then I'll be right there. Yeah. Um, all right. How about how about more of like the naturey type people? Like, do do we got like rangers with? Unfortunately, steeds? no. Surprisingly, not at all. They are not built for steeds. They can't ride on an elk. 
I mean, they're allowed to. Any character can ride on an elk, but they have nothing, no spells, no features, which gives them a special ability to ride on mounts, which is why I created a subclass of my own. Uh, called I called it the Heroic Rider. Um, very, If you're familiar with like a Link or a character like that from Legend of Zelda or that idea, you know, or, or uh, Shadow of the Colossus, um, there's a character who has like a lovely mount, right? Like a horse or like something like that. That's like like a Pona from, from Legend of Zelda, for example, you know, that they can call and they have this bond with um, that, you know, doesn't die, <laughs> really. Um, I mean, Breath of the Wild less so, but I imagine, you know, they've still got good archer skills, up-close skills, versatile fighting, all the nature stuff that a ranger has, but also this, you know, sick mount. Uh, I think the closest we have is Drake Warden at higher levels, but not everyone wants to be riding a dragon all the time. Everybody wants to be riding a dragon. No. Riding a dragon is like <laughs> first thing that people think about. Nope. So I, I think I may have mentioned this before, but I'm mentioning it again. I have this idea for a kobold uh, warlock sorcerer um, that uh, takes back the chain, gets a pseudo dragon, uh, has the ability to twin spells, and uses uh, reduce and large twinned, one to reduce his size and one to enlarge the pseudo dragon so he becomes tiny and the pseudo dragon becomes uh small and then he like can fly around on the back of his pseudo dragon um very cool casting sort of spells through yeah, the i've always dragon. thought that's such a cool one uh, although you gotta keep in mind like now you are a tiny character mm-hmm. on back of a small little pseudo dragon like you're a very small like threat on the board but you can still cast little spells from that way so pew pew giant fireballs coming eldritch from the sp- blast yeah. You just make the Eldritch Bass look like it's coming out of the mouth of your little <laughs> pseudo dragon. Okay, now I'm on board. I like that. Totally fun. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, if we mention Fine Steed, it would be remiss, is that the word, of me not to mention Find Greater Steed, which is a little bit more magical. What level is that Your at? little pony's all grown up. Your 17th, oh no, sorry, 13th level paladin Right. at this point. And you summon a spirit that chooses the form of a loyal, majestic mount. Appearing in an... Oh, well, okay. I'm thinking not only paladins... If you're a bard, you could theoretically pick a spell like this up as well. Um, but uh, the spirit takes a form uh, that you choose. Either a griffin, a pegasus, a periton, a direwolf, a rhinoceros, or a saber-toothed tiger. So, well, a little bit cooler. Some of them are a little bit more magical than others. Uh, you've got a, a large griffin, which can fly. Uh not intelligent either but i think it becomes a little bit higher but griffin's crazy cool pegasus super cool um in terms of hit points i think those are about the same uh pegasus is 60 foot flying speed um periton is a little bit different chaotic evil (laughs) i wonder if it retains alignment but uh, a direwolf super cool one to have Uh, rhinoceros is a, a fun one got lots of hit points and a saber-toothed tiger, which I'm not sure if it can make attacks or what the deal is with that, but so so, so the mount make attack. Okay, so here's where I want to introduce um, some supplement rules, and these aren't just willy-nilly table rules of my own. These have been put together by some of the sort of coolest top thinker writers in the D and D realm, um, just to try and make mount combat more fun uh so the this one shot idea that i've come up with is actually come out uh, it's not really all my idea it's actually the from a magazine a new dungeons and dragons focus magazine uh called arcadia which is a, a really amazing collaborative effort it's on uh the matt coville dm site mcdm uh if you don't know matt coville is he's sort of uh he's been around D for ages he ran the uh, D&D-centric uh, YouTube series called Running the Game. Uh, so to start back about 2016. Uh, he's done lots of sort of D20 system sort of stuff. He does other sort of game design and things. But he uh, co-wrote the first volume of Critical Role Vox Machina Origins with Matt Mercer. Ooh. So, yeah, and he's got some 5e-compatible products like Stronghold and Followers and Kingdoms and Warfare and 
uh and his yeah mcdm site's pretty cool they got lots of neat minis and things like so he's you know he's kind of pretty plugged into the to the system so he um is working alongside uh James Intacasso, who uh, again we would you would know from such titles as Waterdeep Dragon Heist, Eberron Rising of the Last Whoa, War, Explorer's Guide official. to Wildmount. Um, so he's the editor in chief of this. Uh, Matt, sort of the I don't know writer, designer, hoster, sort of you know other sort of participant Platform. in this. But I mean, there's I mean not just these guys. There's actually a ton of other crazy names. Um, lots of amazing contributors, all edited by the very talented Hannah Rose, whose credits also include many of those previously mentioned books. Um, also really tight with that whole sort of like top D&D sort of crowd. Um, and the article that I was looking at as well, uh, penned by uh, Willie Abiel, uh, called The Rash Car Rally. But the article in the, the magazine is, is just about, uh, it's called Jumping On to Mounted Combat. Um, William Beale's got other great stuff in the DMs Guild. So these guys are, these people, uh, you know, who have kind of put this together, have all looked at Mounted Combat and said, hey, you know what would be fun? Let's tweak it. Just make it the whole game. A little right? tiny bit. And, uh, and I present to you what I'm going to consider as a permanent table rule at my table uh, for anybody who plays Mounted Combat. And wants to have a mount. Uh, so there's a couple of things that have to happen <clears throat> in here uh, that you get. So the creature uh, has to have the mounted trait. And as a DM, you can now decide to add that trait to anything you feel could be mountable. Um with the sort of caveat being that um, a creature designated uh, by the mount uh, has to have ridden it within the, the last 10 days. So this is kind of idea that you can't just immediately jump on to the, the creature. And so you have to kind of do like a, you'll have to have some sort of role-playing thing. You have to sort of like gain the confidence of the mount through, as we mentioned earlier, you know, various effects. But once you guys sort of mount like, you know, got some, some synergy going, then, uh, the experience of working with a rider empowers the mount. Each mount gains a number of temporary hit points based on their rider's character level or challenge rating after every long rest. So your, your pony picks up temporary hit points equal to your level, which is kind of nice. That's a bit of a buff that keeps you, cause everybody, nobody wants their like mounted like steed to, to die. Right, and that's like the biggest Sucks. drawback in the game right now is that they're very fragile. Well, I try to be a little bit, unless it's like a magically created one, I'm like a little bit less, you know, don't get too attached. <laughs> yeah, when and those rules probably still apply, but this is kind of nice. You get a little perk to the hit points, but it's going to get better too. So, the mount then uses the rider's proficiency bonus in place of its own. Um, and this actually could be a detriment though to the if the if you've got a really powerful mount. Uh, high CR level creature and you're like a second level <laughs> character or something you're you may be a you know detract from the the potency of your mount uh, less skilled rider may impair the mount's own abilities to act and defend itself but typically you know we're going to be jumping on something that hopefully you can buff up you know especially if this comes to like horses and very basic sort of beasts um, the rider's proficiency bonus is then also applied to the mount's AC, mm. right? So its armor Ooh. class gets a buff, and this will scale too. So you can take your steed with you as you move up in levels, and that AC bump along the way at higher levels, like that's like a plus six to its AC, which is fantastic, especially since you can at that point afford to put it in full plate as well, right? Barding, mentioned earlier. Uh, it gets your... Proficiency bonus bump to all its ability checks, all its attack rolls. Yes, your steed can attack. Saving throws, uh, and the DC to uh, resist efforts, uh, resist the effects of the mount's actions as listed in its stat block. So what this allows you to do is mount something that in its stat block has attack actions or spell casting or something. Um, and it lets it sort of scale with your, with your character so that your mount 
isn't such an easy target as you sort of up in levels. Um, in combat, the train mount shares your turn. That's the same as before. But the mount can, and the mount can still do the same things. Dash, disengage, and dodge. Uh, that's no problem. But you can also use, as the rider, your bonus action to command the mount to take one of its uh, actions in its stat block. So, you know, an attack, likely. Uh, and the idea with this is that the rider and the mount work in tandem and can take their respective actions in any order during the turn. So if, you're, if, if your thing works out better that your mount does their attack first and then you do yours after that, if there's like a one-two blow or some sort of neat synergy you can think up or the vice versa, it allows you to do that. And I think that's really fun because then you can start to really think about a character and their steed as this one like entity and you can really come up with some neat ideas for characters that way that are they're quite special that are quite unique uh so yeah so that, and that's all it is is just basically taking a pretty standard idea which we see with familiars and stuff all the time which is using your bonus action to control well we see with the new summon stuff as well yeah, yeah and the, the new, new summon stuff using your bonus action to use their action to do whatever and then you can still have your action to do your thing. Yeah, cool. That's pretty much it. That's all that's sort of added. So there's a bump to the stat block or a, a nerf, it could be, uh, if you're jumping on the back of something powerful. And this actually, that could be terrible for a dragon. Yeah. You're like, little like, first little guy hops in the back, yeehaw, I'm in charge. And the dragon's like, ancient dragon's like, oh no. <laughs> all right, we'll do it your way. This is going to be bad. Um, yeah, ancient dragons, I probably would let them just do their own thing. Well, certain intelligent creatures, you know, super intelligent creatures. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just you, you do you. Uh, I'll just be back here holding on for dear life. Uh, there is another one other thing they added in, which I quite like, a little new feat uh, or feature that everybody who's on back of a horse can do. Uh, a vaulting attack. Oh, there's a, a bit of risk to this, though. So the idea is basically you can ride up and then jump off your steed and come down on somebody, which could be quite a heroic move. Like you, I can be, yeah. see in my mind the leap, but then the dice determine what the landing bit looks like. So you can use your bonus action to dismount spectacularly and perform a vaulting attack. You have your choice of making athletics or, or acrobatics check. DC is 10 plus the mount's challenge rating. So jumping off the back of the ancient dragon's harder than jumping off your pony. And on a success, the next attack the rider makes before the end of their turn has advantage. Yeehaw! Uh, you fail and you fall prone in an unoccupied space adjacent to the mount and your speed becomes zero until the start of your next turn. <laughs> Face plant. <laughs> but you don't take any damage or anything though, which is nice. That's nice. Uh, so that's a vaulting attack, which is kind of fun. Another way for uh, your your rogue to gain the advantage they need to drive a sneak attack mm. by leaping off the back of their, their steed. Although, yeah. if you're making a melee attack anyways and you take the mounted combatant feet, you already have advantage. True, if the other one that you're jumping on to doesn't... Is smaller than your mount. Yeah. So that's a thing. It's cool. So you get advantage on that attack. But that's only if you've got mounted combatant feet. Yeah. yeah, this this vaulting attack idea would be that this could be something that anybody can do. That's it's cool. like it's like grappling or yeah, nice. So you can do that. What if I enlarge my large horse into a huge horse? Well, it can carry a lot. It can carry. <laughs> could it carry all my friends? It can carry twice as much now. Could it? Could it? You know? Could my whole party hop on? <laughs> Um, yeah, so there is a optional rule in the DM's guide for climbing on the back of huge, huge creatures. creatures. Um, it's a, it's typically an athletics check. Um, so I guess if everybody can pass that check, they can all hold on, but they can't all drive it though. They can't all use their bonus action to get an action out of the horse. Uh, so but it can, it could mean, it could mean, you know, I always think of this as the other problem. Like, you don't want to introduce mounts for just one player. No, 
yes, I do. It just seems crazy that everybody else is walking and you got one person riding. That's how it works. That's how it is. I, I feel like, all right, so the, the paladin's like, look at me on my horse. And the poor little halfling's like, wait for me. The halfling gets on the back and hop, hops off. Yeah, I think you'd have to have, you know. Look. You have to be no. fair and let everybody, like, keep up. No. <laughs> Point of order, though. What do you mean, no? The, actually, I, I'm rereading Mounted Combatant. You don't get to, like, instead of having, like, taking half speed to mount something, that's only from Cavaliers. Uh, Mounted Combatant only lets you get advantage, force attacks on your mount to target you and give your mount evasion. Uh, the fighter uh, cavalier lets you, you know, if you fall off your mount, you can land on your feet. And you have advantage on saving throws to made uh, to avoid falling off your mount. And mounting or dismounting only costs five feet of movement rather than half your speed. So if you really want to be the ultimate rider, then dip a little, invest three levels. It hurts in paladin, or, or sorry, in uh, cavalier. But there was um. In season two, uh, campaign two of Critical Role, there was a sort of an arc where they uh, they were on the back of these beasts called Warbounders. War I wonder if they're in the monster. and uh, and it was quite a it was quite an interesting sort of series of things that they kind of did on the back of it, and I sort of think that. You know, that's whether it's Warbounders, whether you come up with another creature, whether you homebrew it, whether you do Axe Speaks in Icewind Dale. I think there's like, I think it's like a, a part of, it almost feels like every campaign, maybe not every campaign, but it feels like one of those things that in your campaigns, you might want to consider thinking, hey, should we do a short like arc, something of the, like an episode or two where, everybody is uh everybody's on on some sort of you know in some sort of mounted thing and and to dig out the mounted rules they're not that hard mounted combat's not like any different the only the biggest difference with mounted combat is just the speed with which people everybody's are zipping around, around. um chases could be look a lot more interesting suddenly well, they cover a lot of ground. I promise you right now, if you're going to do a chase scene, uh, you don't want to do maps. They're, mm. they're going to be too big. Probably do theater of the mind over distances and role play it with some roles and things like that. Um, yeah, I think chases can be quite fun. Uh, as sort of a skill test sort of scenario, even with you and your steed having to overcome various things. Yeah. Uh, and I do, I am going to, like I said, I'm kind of rewriting, remolding the... Uh, Rashkar Rally uh, bit that came in the Arcadia with these rules. I like the rules. I like the little setting. Uh, it doesn't come with a map or anything, so cooking up a map I've sort of uh, changed a little bit because the the module that comes with it is very P PvP, you know, player versus player. Like mm. it's one of these things where you ride out in the desert and everybody's competing to get the one sort of flag and try and hold on to it, whereas you know, most parties aren't really keen on bashing and beating each other up. Even if there are like, you know, healers on standby or whatever, between you and some NPCs all like trying to grab one thing, I don't know how if everybody likes that sort of deal. So I'm trying to cook up a, a slightly different one where it's like the party versus uh, a bunch of NPCs that they sort of come across. And then there's a sort of a surprise mm. third party that kind of shows up to this and it becomes sort of a three-way battle yeah make it a little bit more of a team sport uh and with canyons uh in the desert you know like wily coyote sort of style uh that you can sort of move around on and things and uh i think that's kind of fun yeah it's plenty fun it's like difficult terrain in some places so you can choose whether you want to try and go across the difficult terrain and take the shortcut or whether you want to go like some more of the long way around, whether you want to risk pushing through the cactuses, cacti, uh, or whether you want to, you know, maybe get up the cliff face somehow and like do a like surprise attack and leap down upon un un unexpecting, you know, foes who are riding past. I don't know. Like, I think it sort of created a more interesting field to play in. And again, because people are moving quite quickly around it, um, it has to be a very large map. 
because yeah. in one turn it's quite easy for somebody to cover 90 feet especially uh, with a fast mount yeah or more mm-hmm. uh so you need a big big space to do it on uh which is great because virtual tabletops allow you to create really big space so it's a good this is a really good sort of idea if you want to if you're going to play it play it maybe on that on a regular tabletop it might be tricky because uh, you can move a long ways mm. here are some quick i don't know i've oh, i've looked through some monsters alphabetically i'm sure you have some ideas for some fun yeah. notes as well There's but i just wanted to like open people. like start speculating get your mind running a little bit maybe some interesting other alternative mounts if your dm allows uh, perhaps an ambush drake perhaps some animated barding and we've talked about barding <laughs> on there so you're just riding the the horse like the plate mail for the horse yeah not no horse inside it yeah that was a fun idea an ankeg uh an ape <laughs> an aurochs especially if you're an, uh, an orc that could be a fun one um What's the, beak. isn't there an undercommon version of uh deep growth yeah, yeah that's one on my list as well black bear uh blink dog if you're a smaller creature would you blink at the same time it does i don't think you would uh, a boar uh bronze sable from uh eberron or it's, no it's from theros i think it's a fun looking one uh, sable's a like a like a weaselly thing that yeah, is a, but it's made out of bronze yeah uh, a, a cave badger that might be a fun thing to even put in like city of brass or something mm-hmm. how big yeah. is it uh medium huh. i think is it maybe hey let me reopen that bronze sable uh is medium medium construct huh. fun but uh is an azer medium as well or small i feel like i'm i feel like i'm azer's medium whatever you can make a large version uh camels cave badgers cave bears uh crag cats uh death dogs deep roaths uh some fun ideas so the maybe. ones in the arcadia magazine which i again highly recommend folks go out and go out and get this magazine uh support some really wonderful writers who are doing some great work um they have they've added a few in here which is kind of fun uh they have a basilisk mount Mm, uh, they say Swerve Neblin, which is the uh, deep gnomes. Swerve Neblin uh, ranchers are among the rare folks to tame basilisks. Gnomes teach the monsters how to temper their sight into controlled degrees of severity. Riding basilisks, as they are called, uh, by the deep gnomes, make invaluable guardians on long underground journeys. And... Uh, and so its actions include a calcifying bite, a hardening glare, and lesser petrifying gaze. <laughs> because, you know, you don't want to just like give somebody something too powerful. Um, but that's kind of fun, right? Like, so it's got a challenge rating three. So in theory, uh, mm. you might, depending on what level you get this at, it might be better than you um but it's kind of fun it's uh it would allow you know you it's got it's not that fast so it's only 25 feet of movement uh but uh, with climbing so that could be a thing yeah it could be very cool for moving around rocky environments um yeah just trying to open like look for some some cool other ones quickly uh, they also had giant toad in here as well. Yeah, that's a classic. Did they do any changes to it, or was it? So like it a says, classic? yeah, dangerous hunters prowl the swamplands on the backs of giant toads. Unlike their wild brethren, the trained toads strike at their prey with long, powerful tongues and reel them in close. Uh, the victims are then left with three choices: get cut down by the hunter, eaten by the toad, or pull dozens of feet. Uh, into the air and left to fall to their demise. Mm-hmm. So it's actions that you can choose from are the bite, the tongue lash, or the power hop. Well, toad leaps 40 feet into the air. They don't have to swallow anymore? The toad can release a- any creature it grapples at the peak of the jump. That's what we're talking about, where right. it like jumps up and lets go of you, and you're like, woo! Uh, 40 feet into the air would be 46 falling Woo-hoo. damage. Eek. When the falling rules, that could be kind of fun. Uh, it has a swimming speed, though, which is fantastic. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, a frog should. Toad. Yeah. Uh, and then if you want to get fancy, uh, they have a hippogriff mount. 
Ooh. Uh, these rare majestic creatures are easy to work with on the ground and in the sky and make faithful companions. Hippogriff cavalry fly in tight groups, each mount taking advantage of the updrafts uh, to achieve breakneck speeds and death-defying stunts. Actions you could take with it as a bonus action on your turn would be claw swipes and dive bombs. Nice. Yeah. Uh, they also list Nightmares, which is a famous mount, uh, also used by uh, Strahd von Zarovich in Curse of Strahd. Uh, he rides a Nightmare named Bocephalus. Classic. And actually, yeah, I mean, I've always run that, that the Nightmare and him both acted on the same thing, but they both had their own full things that like Strahd never actually had to tell Bocephalus what to do, but... Mm. Um, but you could cool. you could basically say it's Strahd's bonus action needs to be and as a DM if your vengeance paladin wants a nightmare and they cast find a greater steed who knows maybe that could be yeah fun. I mean uh, they're like CR3 I think something like that maybe if you cast it at 5th level you can <laughs> uh, so or like yeah, make a reduced threat version so in the version they have in this which is slightly different than the one in it yeah, and this is the thing about each of the mounts that are in here what I would recommend to DMs to do is don't just take the straight stat block. Kind of have a little look at, you know, adding the mounted, uh, uh, um, what you call it, feature to the the creature and what they have sort of written up here. Um, how it gains the temporary hit points and, you know, whatnot. And then try and look at which features of that, that's that creature make it really you want feel, to keep yeah. and how you want to kind of adjust ones remembering that this basically becomes a bonus action for the player and for the pc and how how would they like probably use those sorts of things in conjunction right like what are sort of things that would be kind of be you know good to put together um so the uh like the nightmare in this one has got ethereal stride but it doesn't have the same sort of uh, like ability full, just to yeah. full on ethereal movement. So, which is great because that would be like kind of broken. Um, yeah. My favorite one in here, which I love very much because I'm like totally team owlbear, is the owlbear mount. Mm. And and of all the things that they put in on this like little features, so its actions are, you know, pretty straight up, paw swipes, bear hug, monstrous ferocity, for, ferocity, um, but they've in its little features that it gave it, it's got something called Owl Down, which essentially the owl bear's long jump is up to uh, 15 feet without a running start, and up to 30 with a running start, and that's because it's got a base speed of 40. So that's much, or actually, sorry, my bad. It's got a strength of 20. So normally its running jump would be 20 feet. So it's added a little buff to that, 10 feet more on its. Uh, running jump and five feet more and it's standing but the best bit is that when falling the owlbear's rate of descent is 60 feet per round which is the same as what feather fall is hmm. so it's just a little feather fall feature it's basically like That's innate like feather fall. fall it's quite cute that's so cute yeah um so yay yay for owlbear mounts i mean we don't even th- don't really think how often you know <laughs> does an owlbear fall you know but I-, I think it's a cute little touch some other ideas for mounts that I've I've gone scouring through the the through D D Beyond. Love Owlbear. Constrictor Snake? That could be a fun mount. Giant Owl. I mean I don't know how feel how we feel about flying. In the Rash Car Rally, isn't it like you gotta stay low to the ground? Yeah, so in the rally I don't know how you want to explain it, whether it's just the rules and maybe you get a penalty if you break them, or whether there's an actual magical field effect on the preventing the area yeah you can you can't go more than five feet off the ground and i think that's simply just so that there you can't just grab the flag and fly straight up in the air and win so that podcast i was listening to the other day where they tried to the dm tried to have them like play a a game of like american style football as like in game and he always figured out all these rules for how it was going to work just started flying yeah the druid just turned into something that could fly and took the ball to the end zone and the game was essentially over at that point so yeah dms everywhere beware of setting up some sort of like game which is what i'm trying to do with this what the rash car rally is um the 
Willie Abel and, and company who put this together actually thought through this. I'm sure play tested it and immediately found that somebody who can fly in the, more than five feet off the ground totally wrecks the game. Yeah. Uh, giant riding lizard. Go. What's his name? Uh, the guy from the books. That drow. Drizzed. Yeah, Drizzed. Doesn't he have Durden. a riding lizard? Uh, n- not the ones that I've read. Um, there is riding lizards in it that the drow use on patrol. Uh, but I mean, I haven't, there's a lot of Dritz novels. I haven't read them all. He may at some point have one. Uh, a walrus from Icewind Dale. Kind of slow though. What's its speed? Uh, 20 foot on land, 40 feet swimming. If you want to swim in the icy cold waters of the North. Yeah. A giant fly, <laughs> a giant goat. Uh, a Valinar steed, which is, I think, a, an, a Theros thing as well. Weird looking thing. Um, warg, classic, you know. I remember Lost Minds of Fandelver meeting a warg and being like, oh, this is like the classic, you know, big bad goblin wolf type thing. An Elbis, which kind of looks like a crane. And it's got like spells. <laughs> and it's got intelligence. I'm not sure what this thing even is. Reincarnations of evil humans who are punished by gods or acts of larceny and kidnapping. I think that's a very cool, potentially even character uh, setting type thing. An Elbis. Fun. Uh, female Steeder, if you're a bit more of like a Durgar. Uh, giant Strider, if you're a Fire Newt. Giant Vulture. Uh, Half Ogre, if we want to do our pigger, p- <laughs> little piggybacking thing we talked about before. More Bounders, they've actually got a stat block for them. Think about More Bounders. More, they've actually got, also got a standing leap, uh, so they can jump quite well. They've got some claws as well. 70 foot movement speed, by the way, on more bounders, real fast. Uh, Terra Folk, I think maybe a little, t- not that intelligent, but kind of intelligent. Uh, Two headed crocodile, uh, gelatinous cube, maybe not the best idea, <laughs> lest you get engulfed into it. Uh, and a real big ogre, Pegasus, uh, Plesiosaurus, uh, reduced threat owlbear, doesn't have the slow fall feature, this one, but. Um, rug of smothering. I think it could be funny for a little wizard to be like, you know, riding his his rug of smothering. It's sort of like that's almost be like like a flying carpet that doesn't fly. It's like a crawling carpet. Yep, essentially. Uh, Although, could your mount be a flying well, carpet? The idea of some, like okay, so this is thing that happens in D anD D, right? Uh, in with mounted combat, if your mount is not prone. You can use your reaction to dismount it as it falls, and then you land on your feet, right? Um, Otherwise, you're dismounted and fall prone in a space within five feet. So, So, if you're riding a carpet, a rug of smothering, can it be knocked prone? It's already on the ground. Uh, Condition immunities. It doesn't have prone as a condition immunity. It does or does not? It does not. You can like, you can knock a rug of smothering prone. Yep. That just seems weird. <laughs> oh. What about those other, some of the other things like the snake and stuff? Can you knock a snake prone? Yeah, of course. It's already on the ground. You can't knock a beholder prone. It just like, like it just spins, spins in the air. air. Can you ride a beholder? Yeah. I've seen pictures of people like riding beholder kin of some sort oh my, my, one of my favorite images is like this like monk looking guy like you know with cross legs on top of this beholder with like all its eyes like Taped all its like stalks yeah, yeah. cut off it's got like a big like a, chain on its eye and to cover it big bandage or something across it. it's like very cool creepy looking thing there that's creepy but cool creepy yeah. sky jick rock i don't know from the ravnica but it's like a, a rock that's been made to be mounted uh and just some some suggestions the game the game is absolutely full of opportune creatures for you to uh get your players riding absolutely and and, you know there's uh there's like the in the um arcadia magazine they have a little thing here about um so if you uh as a dm want a table to decide okay so your players come across, you know, some mounts. There's like, okay, let's make some animal handling checks. And I, I think we've mentioned this before, right? If you're going to make somebody do a check, there should be, there should be consequences like to this. So they've got this thing set up where if you miss it by five or more, your DC check, 
the mount is hostile towards the rider and attacks. And you're like, okay, I can't go near that one anymore. Um, the DC on the next check, if you're trying to still keep trying to change it, decreases. Oh, in, the DC increases by another two. So like you keep missing, it gets to a point where like it just that thing hates you so much. There's no way that you'll ever ride it. Um, and then you know, working down through the scale, minus one, minus four to minus one, you know, tries to to fling you off or whatever, and you've got to make saving throws and to, to not land and hurt yourself. And uh, and if you meet the DC, then you know it's temporarily trained for eight hours. If you get like really good, you can train it for twenty. You know, it sort of stays with you for twenty four hours, and then like the DC gets easier if you want to keep trying to tame it again. And if you like get like over five, then the thing just like your new best friend, your pet, uh, five or better beating the DC. So I think tables like that are kind of fun. Um, and if you work in some role play of like some of the different things you have to do with the creature to try and get it to like, you know, be friends with you, like you got to feed it and you got to groom it. Or, I don't know. You, you come up with whatever you want. You can like have a little obstacle course. You got to work with them on or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. Do something that, that this is actually a fun way as well. Like a lot of like people look at certain, certain skills in, you know, on your character sheet, like animal handling and ask yourself, why, why is this even here? Like mm. <laughs> it comes up so rarely in yeah. game. Uh, so yeah, if you, if you know, if your players know that they're going into something like this as well, like we advise them in advance, you know, that you guys are all going to be on mounts and they can then, yeah, build characters that have got mounted combatant and high animal handling scores and yeah, away they go. Boom. Very cool. Well, I think that's a great chit chat. We've gone over the hour mark. Uh Oh, talking about talking mounts. about steeds um yeah i hope some of this has inspired you to make a, a character with a mount of some kind reminds me of that dnd beyond ad where it's like what if my paladin had a horse you know that one's like ooh, it's perfect yes um <laughs> so. well i'm only imagining uh my paladin riding an owlbear so or a moorbounder perhaps definitely want to get an owlbear pet mount yeah absolutely uh so we will return to you next week replacing our our cat familiar with a, an owl bear uh yeah. who knows what trouble enlarge the cat reduce yourself that's right all right everyone thank you so much for joining us uh stay mounted stay high ride high in the saddle ride and ride high. ride into the sunset we're riding to the sunset we'll see you all next week enjoy critical role everyone bye-bye, bye-bye.